What song do you want to hear, Dan? Beer! You are now listening to America's favorite craft beer podcast, a show that covers tricks, tips, and trends inside the craft beer industry. I am your host, craft beer enthusiast, Tom Simpson. Next to me, my co-host, a man with more untapped check-ins than you have steps on your Fitbit, the adjunct professor himself, Mr. Dan Howell. Tune in, sit down, and drink up. And most importantly, thank you for joining us on another episode of America the Brew. Guess I'll have to wait until then. And if I get drunk, well, I'll pass out on the floor now, baby. You won't bother me no more. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of America the Brutiful. We've got a fun show for you today. We're recording from Woodbridge, New Jersey. Uh, at My the hometown. Ho- there you go, your hometown. That's it. And it's also the home of, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best sour home brewers in the country. We'll also talk to a New Jersey brewery that is no stranger to the show about two beers they made for a good cause, as well as some upcoming collabs they have, which everyone will want to get their hands on. Later this episode, we'll talk about some local releases and upcoming events in the area. And, of course, we'll talk to Chase from Top Beer Drops about the top-rated beers from the past week. But first, as always, let's crack our first beer. This is Malites from Conscious Ales. It is a blend of farmhouse saisons, re-fermented on white and yellow nectarines. And it's uh, 2023. It's a new one. Uh, Chris sent it over to us. Uh, very happy, very excited to try this one. Um, now, as we mentioned, there's a lot of cool interviews coming up in this episode and a lot of good news in the craft beer community, uh, but not all the news is good. A few weeks ago, we told you guys about the New York Craft Coalition and its exciting opening in Mamaroneck, a joint venture between Marlowe and Barclay Brewing. Now, you probably saw the effects that the rain had on New York City, but if you weren't aware, it was even worse in Mamaroneck. And unfortunately, the flooding wreaked havoc on that brewery. If you guys remember, that was the old decadent uh, spot that got ravaged by Hurricane Ida. Uh, also, halftime got hit hard. Uh, so, so really sad news. The flooding caused them to have to throw out equipment, finished product, and ingredients a.k.a. future beer, away. And Marlowe's anniversary double and anniversary party in October will be postponed. That's terrible. Dude, this guy can't catch a break. Yeah, that's, it's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. And tragic, you know, that, that there's always flooding in that area, but it has never been as bad as the last two years. And so. it's been bad. Yes, yes. Uh, so even though the tap room's currently closed, if you're out there, you can help, and here's how. Uh, and it's actually very simple. You can order Marlowe and Barclay beers from Halftime Beverage and have it delivered to your house. It works for New Jersey, it works for New York, so, you know, go out and do it. And bonus, you can fill your ba- your box with an insane amount of options, whether you want Lambic from Dre Fontaine or Tilquin, the Stouts from Other Half, or Barley Wines from Timber. Of course who doesn't want that <laughs> uh yeah i mean the the list that they have available is really incredible so uh if you want beer delivered you don't want to go leave your house and get some free beer and uh help some breweries that could use your help you should do it uh so let's try to help out marlo and barclay again they're going through a tough time and uh just celebrating their grand opening just a few weeks ago 
Okay, when we come back, we'll talk beer with one of our favorite home brewers who is having their America the Brutiful debut. That's coming up after the break. This is a time with my life where everything is falling apart and at the same time Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 24 of America the Brutiful. In May of this year, one of the biggest beer fests in the world, the Mickler Beer Celebration Copenhagen, hosted many of the best breweries in the world. And if you're a follower of this podcast or follow the New Jersey beer community super closely, you'll know that one of New Jersey's own was in attendance. If you don't know what we are talking about, the New Jersey brewery, brewery that was invited to attend was actually a home brewer. I want to welcome in Dan of Decorer Brewing and Blending, a home brewer from right in the middle of the state, making some of the best mixed fermentation beers that you're going to have. Welcome, Dan. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Uh, welcome to you guys. Thanks for stopping by uh, my home slash blendery, brewery, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, beautiful day. Happy to be here with you guys. All right, so we have a lot of different things that we want to get into, but we just brought up the festival. Just tell us about that. Tell us how you got invited and how it was repping the state over at one of the biggest beer fests in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, in a, in a nutshell, it was it was just it was surreal. You know, I I've, uh, I found out about it. I was tipped off by my uh, my good friend uh, Tim Decker from Altbrow. He tagged me in uh, Mikeler's post and then texted me, pushing me and encouraging me to uh, to go ahead and enter some beers. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Tim, his project is called uh, Altbrow. He's kind of been working at this for a couple of years. To open his own blendery out in California and to date he's done insane collaborations with like Degar and Antidote uh, and a bunch of heavy hitters and um, you know he's producing some beautiful and incredibly honest beers with like a really crazy sense of passion and his storytelling behind his entire ethos is has been you know incredibly inspiring to what I'm doing so you know uh, we first met at Carnival Botanomyces in 2018 and since then you know we've become great friends keep in contact um, I went out there last year to do uh, like a private event with him um, and uh, yeah, kind of he put it on my radar and pushed me to uh, enter some beers. Uh, so I did. Um, so basically, I was taking a trip to Brussels, carried some bottles over. I was ready, kind of short on the, the timeline. Didn't want to risk breakage or losing them. So carried them over my trip, left them with a buddy in the Netherlands, who then shipped them ahead to, uh, to Copenhagen. Um, they actually like almost didn't even make it there, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. There was um, a shipping snafu. We had been instructed to use a specific address that had like a care of, and it was like NBCC homebrew competition or something like that. Um, so that's what we sent it to, and they never got the box. They couldn't interpret the address for whatever reason, and instead it, it ended up at like one of their sorting transit centers, and they were like, you have to go pick it up. Like We're not going to try to re-deliver this. And this was like, 48 72 hours before the deadline to get them there um <laughs> so luckily i uh, i reached out to uh daniel from ecolor who was kind of running the whole thing and uh he was incredibly helpful in you know communicating and getting somebody who did work at one of the brew pubs who happened to live kind of close by and they actually went and uh pick up the box so <clears throat> so yeah they actually ended up uh getting there on time and you know i could enter it but um 
the judging itself, you know, was done um, by Mikkel and a bunch of other uh, pro brewers there, uh, which was, you know, crazy. And, you know, at the onset, they had said that the first place winner would be invited to NBCC to pour the beers, which I was like, holy shit, that's like a, can, we, can I curse on this? Yeah, you can. They're uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, holy shit, like, this is a wild opportunity, right? So, you know, um, as it went, the day of the judging and the award ceremony, they announced that they would instead be inviting the first, second, and third place winners um, because of the high number of high quality entries and also be scaling up uh, the first place recipe at uh, Warpigs, which is um, one of their brew pubs that's, uh, that's in Copenhagen. So um, yeah, the day of the ceremony, like they invited anyone who wanted to come out to go down to this uh, brew pub. Obviously, you know, I was not in Denmark for this, um, but uh, I was able to get a video from someone who was there who took the footage of it. And um, yeah, I ended up winning second place for, um, for one of my blended fruited beers, which was on uh, apricots from California. Uh, first place went to this awesome guy, Allard, behind Raw Brewing with a Belgian triple, which like to this day is probably one of the best triples I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I'm, I mean, Dan, you know me, I'm not crazy about those monastic styles, mm -hmm. but it was so damn drinkable and good. Uh, you know, definitely deserved to be there. Um, I took second. Patrick from Plazanti Street took third place with a uh, barrel-aged English barley wine. That was absolutely sensational. Like, I'd put it up there with, um, you know, a lot of like the... The big barleys that people kind of lose their shit over nowadays but um the ceremony itself was super interesting um in the video mickles you know going through for a second and third announcing them all and uh he shared a really funny anecdote while announcing the second place beer and said that he thought somebody was playing a practical joke on him that they had taken a uh bag haven beer which is you know their sour brewery he thought someone had taken one of their beers, removed the labels, and sent them into the competition. Um, he said he, he was convinced that it was the apricot beer they make. And, wow. you know, to me, that's like, doesn't get much better in terms of a compliment from, uh, from that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much it in terms of getting selected and, uh, you know, actually going there, you know, representing Jersey. It was, it was a really, really surreal experience, like everything leading up to it during it. Um, even after it, just so many times, just like, holy crap, is this real life? Like, it was it was pretty nuts. And especially to be the only, you know, quote-unquote producer from Jersey, I think I think Finback was the only other area producer out at, uh, of at New York. Um, but the coolest thing is that they didn't bill any of the homebrewers as homebrewers. Like, they didn't say, like, oh, here, you know, the homebrewers are at a small table off to the side. No, like, they gave us our own table, the same signage, and, you know, we were among all these real deal professionals that uh that were there for the festival which was absolutely awesome and just you know really added to to the entire experience that we weren't like you know singled out so to say but like you know we were treated just like uh any of the other ones um and i mean just to be there with so many producers that have inspired me and kind of guided me for what i'm trying to do uh it was absolutely incredible to just kind of be there side by side at some level you know equal as them um but uh but yeah it was uh it was incredible but also awfully terrifying <laughs> you know like uh i'm still a homebrewer like right? this is uh, it was something that exceeded kind of my wildest dreams and the event itself was was a gauntlet like it was intense it was four four hour sessions 
over two different days and for each session vip ticket holders like there was like four or five hundred uh vips each were given access uh 20 minutes prior so like for the morning sessions we had to be at the helm ready at like 9 30 to start pouring beers and um i think it was like three or 3500 people per session that bird's insane. <laughs> we are broadcasting outside, oh, yeah. as you can probably tell. Yeah, it is a beautiful day, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like each session was signaled with this like giant fucking gong that they would just like smash, and the doors would open, and it was like pretty chaotic at points. People were like legit, full on sprinting to try to get to like specific tables and specific breweries to try to like you know whatever rare you know crazy beer that they were pouring there. Well, who were you next to for the event? Yeah, so I honestly had, like, the godsend of picks that I ended up next to. Uh, to my left, it was a Norwegian producer called uh, Marlo Bobo making insane, insane, amazing meads. Uh, and to my right was um, Pulpit Rock Brewing. Oh, wow. From, uh, from Decora, Iowa. <laughs> so, hint, hint, there might be something there for the Decora Decora someday. Wow. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're both incredibly respected producers, and they make amazing, amazing stuff. But above all, they were all just so, like, genuine, funny, and just good-hearted. I think they kind of noticed that I was, like, shitting my pants a little bit, and they were all incredibly helpful to just, like, like, oh, no, this is fine, man, you got this, it'll be fine. And kind of just, like, you know, they'd kind of gone through it before. You know, festivals were nothing new to them. Um, but uh, they definitely put me at ease and, you know, were a tremendous help as I was trying to get uh, used to some attention i don't really like attention <laughs> or being in the limelight or anything like that um but yeah it, it was amazing to uh <clears throat> to be there next to them you know pouring and uh, i really joked with them because the first uh the first session you know they had people that legitimately sprinted to their tables and formed lines to, to try you know the ultra exclusive stuff they had and Nobody knew who I was. Nobody was coming to my table or anything. And <laughs> I started joking that, like, first session, my job was to just make sure that the people on their line had something in their glass to drink to uh, to keep their thirst quenched while they were waiting for uh, Marla Bobo or uh, Pulpit Rock beers. What, uh, was, what was your, uh, you know, obviously you it, where you placed exceeded your expectation. What was your expectation going in there? Like, what would you have been, you know, what did you think that was going to happen? Um, I honestly didn't know. I mean, like, you know, I've... I think social media has been pivotal in getting some sort of exposure, right? Like, yeah, some people have heard about it and tried it, international stuff, but like, nobody really knows what the hell this is. Like, and to be among all those, you know, huge names that are just recognizable was, you know, I didn't, I kind of expected what happened the first session to happen. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, like people care a little bit or whatever, but like, it definitely picked up really quickly and as like the weekend progressed like the volume and the people were definitely coming which was insane but um you know overall it definitely just exceeded my expectations of how excited people were about it um and just like their honesty and just you know their their kindness of really just wanting to know more about it like i don't know i think somebody told me that was very mysterious there i was like okay i don't get that but all right uh but like i don't know i guess there's something that kind of made people interested in it you know it's uh, everyone loves kind of that underdog you know little guy coming up story so it was um it was cool but a lot of people didn't even know that we were homebrewers you know they they thought we were just other breweries that uh that were there so people were coming That's up cool. like oh where's your place like where can i get your stuff and i was like i'm just a homebrewer still <laughs> You know, I had, like, some importers ask me, like, oh, like, can we set up time to chat and love to get your beers? I'm like, 
I can't legally sell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe one day. Like, let's keep in contact. <laughs> so you're uh, super involved in the homebrew community. Can you tell us about that and what advice you'd give to anyone who is interested in homebrewing or that, uh, that, that wants to homebrew but maybe wants to meet other homebrewers to better their craft? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say more than anything, you know, it's, it's find a club in your area and join it. You know, when I moved to this area like seven, eight years ago, I reached out and I found Garden State Homebrewers. They had just gotten started, I think, uh, two years prior. And um, I can honestly say that joining that club and starting to befriend and hang out with a lot of these homebrewers and just kind of the open feedback that was there, it really did kind of propel me and my progression to start learning more and, you know, start pinpointing and addressing specific variables and all resulting in better beer. Um, so I would say join a club, you know, be ready to just brew as often as you can iterate. Don't be afraid to dump beer. I think every honest and respectable brewer dumps beer because sometimes you have to, sometimes shit just doesn't work out. How does it cost money? Yeah, it costs money, but (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's the iteration that's important, right? It's just refining the process and, and nailing that down. And the guys in, uh, and girls in Garden State Homebrewers, I think have been pivotal to that. There's some incredible, incredible brewers in that club. You know, there's everything from beginners, novices, to guys that have come up through the ranks of the club, opened their own spots, gone on to work at production breweries. And um, they've all been incredibly helpful with just improving over time and uh, kind of just really empowering each other and, and elevating each other. Um, I took over there i was voted as a president of garden state homebrewers um two years ago so i've been kind of running the helm there and uh we've managed to like very organically grow the club to about 50 members at this point that's great primarily in central jersey kind of like western central but um you know we've got some guys all the way up in bergen county some people south of us um we've got people all over and you know we when i first joined them i think it was about 15 people or so and since then you know, the, the level of skill and the upskilling that I've seen across the board, even from, you know, new brewers that joined a year ago or two years ago, um, has been astronomical. Um, and this past August, the club, we actually uh, attained New Jersey Homebrew Club of the Year for the fourth year in a row, which is awarded to the homebrew club that achieves the most number of points um, out of the three BJCP-sanctioned uh, competitions that happen in the state. So that's been pretty phenomenal to see and just, you know, very proud to be a part of it with uh, with all those guys, and we've even had guys that placed at uh, NHC. One of our one of our members, um, Peter, this year took second place in the hazy IPA category at NHC, which NHC is also put on by the Brewers Association. It's essentially uh, the GABF for home brewing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's at the national scale, so it's uh, an incredibly, incredibly big deal. You know, last year we had a member, Larry, who's the current New Jersey Home Brewer of the Year. His Pilsner took second place. In my opinion, one of the best Pilsners made in the state. Uh, he actually brews that at Ashton every now and again. He, oh, he did okay. the scale up for uh, Polyphonic Pills, um, and they've actually done that beer quite a few times um, since then. I think that was like maybe three or four years ago. But um, yeah, my advice is just try to be active. Find a homebrew club if you're in the Central Jersey area and you want to join Garden State Homebrewers. By all means, feel free to reach out to me uh, or contact GS Homebrewers on Instagram gshomers at gmail.com you know we meet uh the the second tuesday of every month usually at sunken silo that's our home base but uh we'll typically stop at other breweries every other month just to try new places um last month we were at uh sky high hop farm 
uh, out in uh, Flemington, New Jersey. Awesome people and beautiful, beautiful space there. Um, but there's, I think the most important thing there is the, uh, the aspect of tasting and dissecting and, you know, really just splitting hairs on some of these homebrew beers that everyone brings in. You know, usually our format is we have some sort of educational aspect or presentation of some sort. And then it's essentially just a huge bottle share. Everyone brings homebrew, you know, we write descriptors about it and we taste them and we talk about them. And I think I've learned so much from just other people's palates. You know, I know certain off flavors that I am extremely sensitive to. I know others that I have a very high threshold to. And it wasn't until other people were kind of drinking my beers and drinking other beers that could notice some of these things. You know, you might think, hey, everything's fine. And unbeknownst to you, you know, you're producing something that has an off flavor that other people may not like. Um, So having that many palates and palates that understand the process to a degree um, is, is incredibly, incredibly helpful. So just join a club and just brew as much as you can and, you know, join other people's brews. You know, every, every system's different, but I think you can always pick something up and learn from, you know, every single brew day with, uh, with whoever you're brewing with. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when they hear uh, the term home brewer, they think very novice, uh, making some really kind of simple styles. Now, you... For the most part, you make a lot of saisons and wild ales. For those people out there who haven't had much, or or maybe home brewing but don't know how to make that style, uh, what would be your advice to them? For saisons, sure. For wild ales, I mean, uh, you know, I've uh, I've always joked that saison is the most punk rock beer style there is. <laughs> the The definitions are so loose. I think it's more of kind of just uh, a mindset rather than a, a strict guideline or set of rules for it um kind of my definition of it is should be a little bit rustic it's got to have saison yeast to make it a saison but there's so many different ways you can kind of um you know go with that in directions um and i think it kind of ties into the wild beer aspect right i think people think may hear wild beers may automatically assume spontaneous beers or automatically assume you know bready funky beers but you can have wild beers that are not sour and of course sour beers that are wild beers um it's a very loose definition i'd say but i'd say at its core you can call it a wild beer if uh some sort of wild wild yeast or lactic acid producing bacteria there you know lactobacillus pediococcus whatever it is um in addition to what we call you know traditional brewer's yeast of saccharomyces but even quike beers could be considered wild beers just because of the origin of some of these um some of these microbes but I think, you know, any of the beers that are made from from these types of yeast and bacteria have just a, a little bit of a different spirit than a lot of other beers, right? These beers are alive. These beers will continue to evolve. You know, they're not pasteurized. Uh, they're living in the bottle. They're constantly changing in the bottle. Sometimes they age for the better. Sometimes they age for the worst and absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, but I think there's, uh, at least for me personally, making this style there's something really romantic about that of you know not fully actually being in control of these organisms uh more so just being a shepherd for them and guiding them towards you know where you hope to be and where you want to get um but the biggest thing with just uh if you want to start making these styles is keep it simple like don't throw the kitchen sink at it start with you know make a base saison and if it's clean and it's good throw a little brett in there you know get a little brett saison going and then Maybe next time around, get yourself a uh, mixed culture or 
you know, just even use uh, dregs from some of your favorite sour beers to, to uh, use as your lactic acid bacteria. Um, there's a lot of leeway and a lot of different directions you can go with it. Um, for me, one of the biggest helps has, of course, been Milk the Funk, which is like kind of the end-all be-all for sour beer producing knowledge that, uh, that I found on the internet. Um, as well as uh, American Sour Beers, which is a, a book by um, Michael Tonsmere. Both have been pivotal, pivotal resources for just learning about it, um, but actually having practical knowledge to then apply to you know whatever you're doing. But don't fear Brett. Don't fear bacteria. You know, keep separate uh, equipment, of course, to just uh, limit any sort of cross contamination. Uh, but just give them a shot. You know, they're funky, and I think uh, once you finally make one, that's pretty good. Like. Hopefully the bug gets you too, because I know once I got a pretty good one, I mean, hell, I think I've made two clean beers in the last, like, four years. <laughs> <laughs> You've made a lot of beer that features fruit as well. Yeah. Uh, is that very costly? It, absolutely. <laughs> I could even just end it there. Yeah, it absolutely, it definitely <laughs> is. No, it's, um, it is incredibly expensive. You know, it's something I track and aware of, but much like anything top quality fruit top quality ingredients cost a lot and uh, I'm pretty hell-bent on using the best possible ingredients that I can even get my hands on for my fruit I only use fresh fruit I've never used purees I won't use purees I've never used extracts I won't use extracts Uh, I tend to use organic and local fruit whenever I can get it um, but also source certain fruits from specific areas just because of how good they are for instance my apricots I get them flown in next day from California. They are obscenely expensive, but in my opinion, are, are worth you know every penny because of the character that's uh, that's actually there in the fruit. Like that beer that I sent to um, to Meekler, the competition had about like seven to eight dollars worth of apricots per bottle. Wow! Which like wow. when you think of how do you grow this and make this at scale. Like, that's freaking astronomical. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, right, if I'm buying in much larger bulk, hopefully it's not as expensive, but, like, it's uh, it's definitely something that, uh, that adds up. And, you know, I recently switched over to using exclusively um, local malt from, from Rabbit Hill down in uh, South Jersey uh, whenever I can. Their malt is just in every way more flavorful and has much more character than, you know, Wireman and the big guys that you can get stuff from. Um, I think these things matter. You know, I think those characteristics really come out in the resulting beer. But it's also kind of just uh, my way of trying to keep these beers as honest as possible without any other sort of, you know, chemical intervention or anything like that from uh, from any other side. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that is constantly kind of uh, posing a challenge with my business plan and you know, kind of my financial projections for what this business is going to be fruit even in like the four or five years that i've really been working with it i've seen like variable changes in the cost from year to year so even trying to project some of those things is a little you know a little bit of a dice roll of like okay well what if next year's peach crop for whatever reason is just like obliterated and like can't get them or cost skyrocket and stuff so it's uh it's something that trying to take this idea turn it into a business is uh is a big obstacle uh because I'm not willing to cut corners on the quality of my raw materials just to save money. You know, I think it's, uh, at the end of the day, I think it would do a disservice to the beers that I'm trying to make. Do you think you would have to in order to get to, say, I don't know, a, a brewery where you're bringing people in and they're sitting at the bar? And 
I hope that eventually it is easier in the sense of just kind of the financial aspect of it. Um, you know, I've, I've met a couple different farmers in the state that now I'm on year two and year three of, you know, working with their fruit and kind of developing relationships with them, which I think is uh, incredibly important for this sort of thing, right? Like I want to know the farmer that's making my fruit and so they can tell me everything that went into that fruit. Um, hopefully, right, some of those relationships can, you know, be fostered to, to hopefully make that a little bit easier in the future. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's something I think about because it, it could be very prohibitive to how fast I want to grow or how fast I can grow. But I don't know. I, I, I don't want to find a compromise to it because um, I'm very unwilling to start using, you know, bullshit fruit that <laughs> I know isn't going to taste as good or, you know, it's going to have a different character. You know, I, 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 want, I want that sense of honesty in the beers that I make. It ruins your passion. It does. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to get into, we're going to talk more about kind of the future, and I want to talk about, uh, we're going to have the guys from Autodidact join us uh, in a bit as well. But before we do that, I actually, uh, I know you have a beer here that's a very personal beer, um, and you know, I'm a little thirsty, so <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring it out. Um, we're all friends with Jose. Uh, also known as Yankee Runner from people on Instagram um, and you made a beer for the Melissa's Wings beer series um, tell us about your beer and the significance behind it yeah absolutely uh, I mean first and foremost I think it just needs to be said that uh, Jose is incredible and he's just like a downright inspiration um, I think I met Jose probably about a year ago same time I met you Dan and you know, during that time, he's been an incredible source of support and encouragement and has become a great friend. And he's really built me a lot of bridges, even in that short amount of time, to just help me get the name out there. And, you know, he's uh, he's become one of my biggest cheerleaders, and I, and I love him for it. Um, he's everything that's right within the beer community. And as, as a fellow Latino, it's amazing to see him just take up space, do incredible things, and really make a difference through, you know, through beer. And uh, his project with Melissa's Wings is, I think, a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, when he first approached me about it, uh, I was kind of floored, like, just to be considered to be among some of those names there. I mean, like, these are some serious breweries that yes. are taking part. Like, it, it's incredible. Um, it's an absolute honor. So, like, I, I jumped at the opportunity to, to be a part of this. And um, the beer that I made is called um, Elena's Wings. It's uh, dedicated and in honor of my maternal grandmother, Elena. She, uh, she passed away in 1981 in El Salvador from, uh, from stomach cancer. Uh, this was you know, years before I or my sister was born, so we never got a chance to meet her. Um, but I think you know, even given that, I feel that I've known her you know, my entire life, just through my upbringing, you know, everything I was taught, what my mom taught us, the things my mother and grandfather used to say. Right? They used to have a lot of these like, you know, little Spanish sayings that some of the Spanish names for beers that I've selected um, are directly from you know some of these like sayings that uh, my grandparents and mom used to say, um, especially through my mom's cooking, right? Like my mom still makes these recipes that I grew up on, and you know all the amazing ways that each of their twelve offspring have then had children and all my cousins and what they you know how they carry themselves. You know I know there's a piece of her uh, always with that. Um, so this was definitely a very uh, sentimental beer for me to make. Um, and uh, yeah, I named it after her Elena's Wings, and it's a 4.3% uh, um, mixed culture grisette. 
It's got a uh, it's got um, organic hibiscus um, that I got in El Salvador. So in April, oh, wow. I went to El Salvador with my family and uh, was able to uh, to get two pounds of it, which uh, which was really special. Um, yeah, it was my parents' first time back in El Salvador in uh, in almost 30 years. Uh, so it was uh, it was beautiful to just kind of connect with you know our culture and our heritage and you know just really finally get there. I was there in, when I was eight years old and barely remember any of it. So it was um, you know it was a beautiful beautiful experience and I was I saw this and I was like I need to bring this stuff home and make a beer with it. So it was kind of kind of serendipitous how it all kind of came together to have it be something you know super special like this. Um, but um, but yeah it's it's a it's a dry grisette. Uh, with a little bit of like kind of tartness, fruitiness. It's got this little like berry vibe that I absolutely love. It's got a gorgeous, gorgeous love color. Love the color it, on it. It is a wildly beautiful uh, beer. And it was uh, dry hopped with uh, Comet Cryo, just to kind of give it a tiny bit of that kind of lime, lime zest. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was inspired by the, uh, the Aguas Frescas that I not only drank in El Salvador, but you know that I drank uh, as a kid that my mother would make for us. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, super drinkable. Oh, super very drinkable. good, right? Yeah, you know, I definitely dig it. It's got a little bit of funk, a little bit of acid to it. Um, it's uh, it's a fun beer. I'm I'm really really happy with how this came out. That's cool. Very good. Um, all right, two questions. Probably hate to be asked, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Uh, <laughs> for those out there who want to try your beers, how can they get their hands on them? Um, I would say try to. Get yourself into bottle shares where I might be. Uh, no, but I'm serious. Um, you know, until I can find a commercial space and scale up, the best way is going to be through some of these collaborations um, that I have with uh, you know breweries that we'll talk about. Uh, some of these events, I'm going to be hosting a raffle for Melissa's Wings beer. This is in addition to um, to Jose's raffle that he's also doing. With of course all proceeds going to uh, Memorial Stone Kettering. Um, and I'm going to try to maintain a cadence of having a raffle via my Instagram at least like every other month. To try to just start getting some bottles out there um, with the core component being each raffle. I want to kind of select a different organization to support. Now, what about just harassing you on Instagram until you until you give in? Is I it, mean, is, is that going to work? <laughs> you can, but yeah, yeah. That has made some uh, interesting block features possible there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, any, anyone who knows me in real life has knows I'm always happy to share. It's just a matter of like, just you just got to be someplace, right? I, I wish I had more space and more tanks and more beer to just get out to the masses. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say just kind of keep an eye on, on social media. There's going to be a lot of really, really exciting shit happening, you know, even this year and into 2024. Um, I actually recently um, got invited to Altered States Festival, which is happening in uh, which is South Carolina. That is awesome. Yeah, I I was floored. And that, I mean, that came about really crazy. So, like, brewery that we always hang out at, mm -hmm. uh, to share, they uh, apparently just had one of my bottles and shared it with one of the guys from uh, 8th Street. and. He hit me up on Instagram. Was like, "Yo, I love this. Like, you should come out to this." I was like, "Are you fucking serious, man?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll be there." The, uh, I mean, all the breweries. I really wanted to go last year to Altered States. It looked like an insane, like uh, the the breweries that attended that were awesome. I mean, the the list of breweries is just like I'm like humbled by it. Like, it's it's freaking insane. Some Will you be going? 
uh, this well, I got I got some stuff to plan this year. We'll we'll see what uh, for 2024. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I have no idea. Yeah, well, so let's put it that every, a lot of things in the at end. least uh, you got time. You yes. definitely got time I'm, to uh, to figure it out. I'm always surprised when Dan say, says that he's not going to either a beer fest or a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> always surprised. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna talk to the autodidact guys in uh, in a mi- in a few minutes, but let's talk about that. Um, you did a collab uh, with them. How did that come about? And we'll have that beer in a little bit, but tell us about that beer. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the beer itself, it's called uh, Late Bloomers. Uh, we named it this after our uh, our love for the hardcore band Modern Life is War. It's uh, named after one of their songs. Um, there's essentially two versions of this beer. The first version is uh, the clean version, which is uh, on tap at uh, Autodidact right now, so go there, drink it, love it, drink more Saison, because the world needs more Saison. Um, and then we did kind of, uh, you know, the decorous side of it, too, where um, at bottling, we dosed the Saison with, um, with one of my Brett cultures. So it's, uh, it's a very high-protein Saison comprising of floor-malted Bohemian Pilsner, um, spelt, torrified wheat. We hit it with uh, Strissel Spalt and Triumph, in the in the kettle and yeah so the bottle version is conditioning away right now hopefully in a two to three months we should see a release there while the brett puts in work uh, but you know how i got hooked up with these guys uh the funny part is is that like i didn't actually meet any of the rons until maybe like a year ago but uh ronnie long-haired ron we'll call him uh <laughs> i had been chatting with him like via instagram for like four or five years now like we followed each other mostly beer mostly music uh yes and also (laughs) and also new jersey devils so like we would just bullshit and talk about you know hockey beer and uh hardcore and that's how we kind of chatting and like you know this is as they were doing their thing as homebrewers and um i didn't actually didn't meet any of them until till colin opened up his spot over at oak flower uh that day i'd actually never met Colin before and also been chatting with him for years and actually had lost to him quite a few times uh, in homebrew competitions up against his Saisons. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I was happy to see him get out of the game. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, but I met a uh, tall Ron that day and, you know, we kind of just clicked. They were, they were still going through opening everything. And um, yeah, we, we, we started talking and, um, you know, I think what kind of really brought it together was that we had, um, you know, quite a few mutual friends. You know, I think it's no secret that like, Twin Elephant and the homies over there have kind of been like this glue that has just empowered and, you know, raised up so many homebrewers with a dream in like the most beautiful punk rock way ever. And, uh, you know, they've been tremendously helpful to me, you know, the last couple of years as I'm trying to figure this idea out. Uh, but that was kind of like the common denominator kind of across the board, right? All those guys kind of came up with them. And um, I don't know, I think it definitely brought more people together and stuff. Like I'm privileged to to know these all these guys then kind of feel like in this small you know jersey brewers community of it you know i think is uh the the underpinning is based in punk rock um but yeah it's it's awesome and you know once autodact opened i uh stopped in with brooke we uh we hung out had some beers i ended up then just popping in on one of their brew days just to hang out and help and bullshit and we started kicking around the idea of you know doing a collab together um, I know there was uh, a little bit of aversion to bringing Brett or Bugs into their brand new brew house, which <laughs> I a thousand percent understand and respect. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, we came up with an idea to, uh, you know, go figure brew up a Saison together, um, but to also give it that uh, Decora Funk treatment. And 
also do it without contam potentially contaminating, <laughs> contaminating their brew house. <laughs> so um, yeah, we collaborated on the recipe. You know, went back and forth a few times putting it together. Um, you know, they pretty much you know let me drive the yeast selection and kind of our fermentation profile that we were going to do. We fermented it warm with um, one of my favorite blends of saison yeast from uh, the Yeast Bay. And we actually open fermented it for the first 36 hours just to, to really push and drive, you know, some of those like more fruity Cezanne yeast ester, esters and the expression that we wanted. And uh, man, we're super happy with the result. The clean beer came out like really, really beautiful, super drinkable. Um, incredibly excited to see how the Brett version comes out. I think it's like just the fruitiness is going to be wild because of the, um, the Brett culture used. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to get over there and, and brew with them all day, and uh, it's it's been it's been a fantastic run just getting to know those guys better and hang out. Uh, I was there last night to to try the beer, and it's uh, it's it's always a great thing to see those guys. They're good people, and they're making some phenomenal beer right now. Nice, and that's not the only collab that you've done. You have maybe some others that are coming down the pike in the near future. Is there anything that you can talk about right now that you can uh, reveal? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there definitely is, you know, I think um, I, I knew this would all happen like going into it, like MBCC was, was the inflection point. Like I knew going into it, like, holy shit, this is probably going to accelerate some things. And, and it absolutely has, you know, I think on a personal level, it's given me the validation that I've, kind of desperately wanted and needed uh, but it also kind of gave me a little bit of a leg to stand on to be able to get you know somebody's ear or say hey like what if we did something crazy like this um, so kind of to that point I'll say there are things in progress right now um, with one Jersey brewery there's another Jersey brewery that will be uh, we're kind of going back and forth on a collab um, so a couple projects in the state that I'm working on um, trying to figure out how to get out to the west coast to do a collab as well as to middle america to do a collab uh both of these born out of just you know people met and partied and hung out with at mbcc um i was in portugal last week while i was there i stopped to see uh my buddy antonio who's now opened his brewery uh lupum in uh, uh a vince which is right outside uh, across the river in from porto and um we're going to be doing a collaboration together uh, in a couple months so in a couple months i'll be Heading on back to Portugal to do uh, a collaboration blend and uh, kind of drive where some of his grape fermentations are going right now. He got some beautiful, beautiful grapes from uh, you know from the Douro, and it's it's going to be uh, super fun. And there's uh, a couple other things in store for 2024 that are still being figured out. Um, as I'm sure you can understand, there's a, there's a certain element of gray area to certain things because of the fact that I'm just a home brewer. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're definitely uh, making the most of it. You know, it's going to be super fun this year, and 2024 is going to be a blast. There's a lot of really cool shit happening. Just you know, stay stay tuned. Just follow me on Instagram, and uh, you know, I'll definitely put knowledge out there as uh, as it's finalized and determined. And tell people again how to follow you on Instagram. Not everybody uh, is get, people going to put too many K's, too many R's, too few's. <laughs> you know, like uh, how, how do they find you on uh, on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, on Instagram, uh, I can be found at at Decora Brewing. That's D E K K E R A Brewing, uh, Untapped. It's uh, what is it? Decora N J. Um, but yeah, that's uh, primarily it. You know, feel free to uh, to reach out at any point, questions, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, 
Thank you very much for joining us, Dan. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. You're going to hang with us here. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk to the guys from Autodidact. Cool. After this. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 24 of America the Brutiful. Over the years, we have talked to a lot of home brewers and breweries. Probably the brewing guests we've had on most is Autodidact. And uh, no exception today, we have Ron, uh, just tall Ron, no no shorter Ron. Uh, he is taking care of his child. So, so tall Ron, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. And we have uh, Dan from uh, Decora here, too. Uh, we are currently drinking uh, Late Boomers. Uh, so tell us, uh, how is that being received so far at the brewery? Uh, it's actually been really great. Um, w- you know, we've done a handful of saisons previously. Uh, our, our wash grisette is on pretty frequently. We've done Leaf, and I think there was one other in there as well, but, like, by far, I think this one has kind of popped off the most, um, which has been cool to see because it's you know it's it's been great. You know, brewing with Dan is fun and exciting every time, and you know, Dan brings so much interesting stuff to the table that makes it a you know great experience for us and hopefully a great one for him. Um, and to see other people kind of react to that and have a good time with it and enjoy the beer is you know it's awesome. That's great. Um, so, we just talked to Dan, obviously, about your collab together, uh, and how is it being received at the brewery, and when are we going to be able to get some of our hands on it in bottle form? So, we have uh, we have bottles conditioning right now. Uh, Dan brought some wild Brett from, uh, what, which version of Brett was it, Dan? It's, uh, it's you know, it's a decor of culture. It's usually about that. Oh, it's a, <laughs> oh, it's a house top secret. It's mis- it's mysterious, Brett. No, it's uh, it's a strain of Brett Brooks, uh, but it's a strain that uh, that tends to lean a bit more fruity than footy and funky. Uh, but I think it'll give it like just uh, with enough time, it'll give it a little bit of that kind of like uh, dare I say barnyard characteristic without just being like uh, getting hit in the face with a hay bale. <laughs> sure, sure. Um. um yeah, so Dan brought some of that with him. We were able to uh, bottle off a bunch of beers and and just pitch a little bit of that in all the bottles for uh, conditioning. Um, right now, they're sitting in our warehouse just uh, collecting dust for a few months until we're ready to send them out there into the world. All right, so I guess we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll see when it's ready. Uh, but besides that beer, uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to have you guys on is to talk about one of your new beers, uh, Call on Me, which is a beer brewed for a, a great purpose. So tell us about that one. Yeah, so uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, uh, specifically uh, Will from that organization, he popped into the brewery one day and he uh, just wanted to kind of talk to us about uh, how we might get involved in their fundraiser that they do. So the uh, Morris County Out of Darkness um, group, which is like, a, I guess, a mm-hmm. subsidiary of the overall foundation, 
Uh, they do a charity walk every year, uh, which unfortunately this year was rained out. It, ha- it would have happened, I think, probably two weeks ago now. Um, but since it was rained out, it got rescheduled to just be this kind of social gala event in uh, November. And we said to Will, like, the moment we started talking to him, we're like, okay, well, we're, we're definitely going to make a beer together. This is this goes without saying uh so we chatted a little bit about what we would want to make um and you know will just kind of helped us out with that we made a you know nice little new england ipa and we were kind of thrilled for the opportunity it's kind of cool to see and i I want to thank dan who was there yesterday just brought out a can and popped one so uh, i'm gonna pour some for me uh right now yeah i didn't know you guys were gonna talk about this beer i would have uh Throwing it in the coolest. It's perfectly cold. <laughs> no, it was, it, was in, uh, it was in one of the beer fridges. So, so Ron. Yeah, uh, I mean, that beer came out awesome. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it's for a cause that unfortunately gets wrapped up in too many of our lives. And, and if we could do anything to kind of contribute to it and hopefully help, you know, help that foundation it, it's like totally worth its weight in gold to do so um the nose on this is so awesome it's a no-brainer for us good. very good very good now speaking of beers that you made for a purpose or that are made for a purpose you just announced your beer in the molesses wings series can you tell us about that yep. beer and what it means to you yeah uh so technically talking to the wrong Ron on this, but, uh, you know, I could jump in here and, and improvise. Um, Amanda, we made Amanda's Wings, which is a double IPA. Um, probably at this, it's an eight and a half percent double IPA. I'm pretty sure that's probably the highest ABV beer we've made so far. Um, which, you know, sort of unrelated from the beer itself, but it was, you know, we just wanted to kind of go really big with it because we were just excited about doing it and uh, being a part of the uh, Melissa's Wings stuff and working with Yankee Runner Jose. Um, We were very excited to be involved in that, so we just kind of went all out with the beer. Uh, But the uh, meaning behind it, uh, Ronnie had a very close friend for most of his life growing up, uh, Amanda, who uh, passed away, unfortunately, last year from uh, triple negative breast cancer, uh, which is a, you know, I, I know very little about that particular form, but like my understanding of it is that it is brutal. Like the, uh, you know, the prognosis from that form of breast cancer is pretty bleak from the onset. Um, Ronnie and I were homebrewing while she was going through treatment and everything for that. And, he, you know, he kind of kept me up to speed as, as we went along the way. Uh, and she fought for a really long time with it but unfortunately it was just you know too much and it was pretty devastating for Ronnie and you know for all of us to see her to see her go um so we were super you know once the opportunity came to get involved with this it was like yes of course we're we're in and we're gonna make whatever we can and you know hopefully it can go towards something good and and some good can come out of it uh, before, well, you know, terrible story, but I love, you know, the fact that you guys made this beer that obviously means a lot to you guys. Um, before we let you go, 
Brick City teased ahead to a collab with you guys. Tell us about what that might be and what else you might be uh, have coming up in the future, in the near future. Uh, all right, cool. Um, so, yeah, Bricks, uh, Bricks and us, uh, we started chatting a little while ago about what we could do. Uh, when we worked out, you know, dates that we could all get together and start making a beer, we were like, okay, we'll make a beer at each brewery. Um, and we're like, it's going to be fall for us, which uh, our fall double IPA is Hammer Teeth. Uh, if you haven't had it yet, it's uh, sold out in the brewery and it's sold out on tap too. So, <laughs> so if you haven't had it yet, <laughs> tough noogies, is that what you're telling us? Go find somebody. <laughs> it's, uh, it's floating around in a couple of places and even I don't know where because honestly, I think it went too fast and I wish I could have grabbed another four pack of it. Um, but so... If you manage to find it, Hammer Teeth is great, um, and it will it will be back. We're going to make it a few more times throughout the fall and into the winter. Um, but so we were we were chatting with Bricks, and we were like, wouldn't it be cool if we just kind of took Hammer Teeth, our one of our flagship double IPAs for the season, and Heady Jams, and just kind of mixed them up a little bit. Uh, and so we worked on uh, we crossed our streams, if you will, and. <laughs> That is uh, what's coming. Sure, that Bricks is one way to put version. it. Sure. We have our version, and they will be coming out probably within the next three or four weeks. So, I mean, that seems like another collab that is kind of, uh, you know, an easy one to make, not only because of the love of beer, but the love of music. Uh, guys over there like music. You guys obviously do. We have Dan here at the table who does, and... Um, you know, it's nice to have, besides just the beer community, having other similar interests. Yeah, I mean, so when we brewed with um, Bricks, they are uh, specifically Pete over, over there. I'm not so sure about Joe, the, the two owners. Um, specifically Pete, I know he's like a huge like Grateful Dead fan and all of that. Um, Ronnie and I come from a more like punk, hardcore, metal background, but we are still, you know, we're fans of everything. So it's kind of interesting to see those, you know, personalities mix and, and, you know, chat with them about all of it, music, beer, everything. All right. Uh, Ron, thank you very much for joining us today. We will be back with local and national releases after the break. But before we do, uh, Ron, we had touched on your beer earlier call on me and uh, if you are in a crisis or need someone urgently to talk to there is hope the american foundation for suicide prevention is there to listen and to help call or text 988 or text talk to 741-741 and we will be right back after this Thank you very much for sticking with us on Season 3, Episode 24 of America the Brutiful. Here we are, local releases, uh, then we're going to have national releases with Chase. But uh, for right now, we're at local. And before we get started, uh, we have a, I'm going to call this local, but it's in the from the Northeast. It is, yeah. And it's a brewery that we don't talk about that too much. Uh, that probably doesn't need our coverage. <laughs> Yeah, I think 100% do not need uh, need our coverage. So, 
yeah, I was actually up at a bachelor party, uh, mostly in Connecticut, uh, but we stopped by Treehouse uh, in the Charlton location, and uh, they had barley wine there, so I figured uh, I know somebody who likes barley wine very, very much, and so I picked this bottle up. Uh, so tell us a little bit about it since you have the bottle in your hand, Tom. Tree of Fortitude is our signature barley wine that has been aged in a variety of flavored rum barrels between 14 and 20 months. Use All right. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. It says, oh no, here we go. Careful doses of vanilla, coconut, and lime. It's an adjuncted barley wine. Oh. With lime? All right. That's what it says. Interesting. Sure. I will uh, give Curious it a shot. Here. Uh, but I guess... Now that we're talking, uh, we're going to talk about some local releases. Uh, we're going to start with a brewery that I know you have a, a big, big affection for, uh, and that is Ober Creek because they are celebrating their sixth anniversary this Sunday, October 8th. Uh, as of now, tickets are still available. I know they are limited, so uh, hopefully um, by the time we get this episode out, if you're still interested, there are still tickets, we hope. Uh, the event is from 1 to 6 p.m., and we can both attest to it. Lots of fun. Are you going? I am not. I cannot go. Uh, I, I'm like, my weekends are so effed. I got like, you. <laughs> Listen to this tap list. Uh, casual Detours, German Pilsner, Cadence of Old Pinot Noir and Oak Aged Grisette, Anniversary French Press, I'd be curious to try that. The coffee stout with rum barrel aged coffee beans, Madagascar vanilla. Big Six, a triple dry hop double IPA with Nelson Strata and Mosaic. Nelson Store, no, I'm sorry, Night Stories Anniversary Edition, Imperial Stout Condition on pistachios, pecans, cocoa nibs, and vanilla beans. And they also uh, have Fluid Profits, an 8% double IPA with Nelson, Rawaka, Motueka, and Galaxy in cans. Uh, also, uh, I should mention another beer on the tap list is Barrel Age Emergence, an Oak Age farmhouse ale fermented with a unique blend of yeasts. Very nice. Tell me more. Going down to Jersey. Going down very far from Over Creek. That's right. <laughs> Seed. Wings. Molesta's Wings 2023. Wings is a single-barrel, unblended, untreated, mixed-culture saison. It was made with Timber, Mindful, and Marlowe. The bottle has names of friends and family that have been affected by cancer. New Jersey does not allow breweries to donate a direct portion of beer sales towards nonprofits, but they are donating $5 per bottle to the Colts. And, you know, that's something that we should have brought up probably when we talked to uh, Tall Ron from Autodidact because uh, I know that uh, obviously a portion of uh, the beer that they made uh, call on me was to the suicide, um, you know, hotline. Uh, and they are not able to directly donate, which to me is the most ridiculous new jersey law ever uh, so actually i want to bring you back it, it in is Dan. absurd it, it is absolutely absurd you know and it's 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 interesting just because of how breweries have had to kind of navigate this right it's this very weird gray area thing that why should it even be up for discussion when you're trying to you know do something really good um but of course there's a there's a lot of um dare i say the things and laws that uh, need to be rethought about but uh yeah, I know. Um, I've you know spoken to the Rons about that. It's it's uh, it's an interesting thing, but glad to see that breweries are just kind of getting around it by just saying, "Hey, here's the total volume we produced. Let's equate it down to what it would be for like you know bottles, cans, pours, units, or whatever, and make a donation." Uh, in my case, this is an area where like 
I don't really have to care as much because, you know, I'm not a real brewery. So, like, the way I'm handling is basically just raffling and getting bottles out there and saying just, yeah, donate directly to them and don't have to kind of do it as a pass-through. But definitely an interesting tidbit of our law. I really question why that's even in there or (laughs) why that's necessary. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we talk about how (laughs) bad the New Jersey beer laws are. This one is just... This one is just... It's bizarre. Bad. Like it's, it's weird. Just bad. Yeah, it's bad. You can't. Absurd. It doesn't you make can't, sense. You're 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 making it more difficult for breweries to give to charities. Like right. that's that's really something's got to change there. Uh, all right, let's talk about another uh, beer in the Wings series, uh, and that's from Ghost Hawk. Uh, it's called Johnny's Wings. It's an Abbey single in the Melissa's Wings series. This was brewed in memory of the head brewer's friend who passed away earlier this year. Um, and well, one thing I do like, and, and I've mentioned this before, is that all these, uh, you know, all these breweries are doing their own thing with the Wings beers. And uh, the head brewer from Ghost Hawk, one of his friends was a brewer. That was his favorite style, um, and that that's why they did Nabby Single. Like you wouldn't necessarily expect to see many of those out in the wild right now. Let's say that's good. Uh, Equilibrium Death Star Day 2023 will be on. December 2nd. There will be an AM share, a brand new on-site BA release, guest drafts, and more. And of course, it doesn't. So even more Holy Dog Day is back for the third year. It's on Saturday, October 14th. And Tom, no, I cannot go. I know, I know. You want me to. It's the third year in a row, I think. (laughs) It's the third third annual. (laughs) There will be two new collabs, including the release of the first EQ brewed Barrel Age Imperial Stout with Evil Twin. There's going to be a Holy Dog, uh, you know, EQ bonfire menu. Evil Twin's going to have some guest beers. And, of course, the 2023 Even More Holy Dog Hot Dog Eating Competition. So you're not taking part in it? I, I'm not. Tom Dan like, could win this fucking thing. That's why <laughs> That's why it bothers me. I'm not so sure. Uh, you I, could I, definitely come close. The Last year's winner, I think, did 10 and a half hot dogs in 10 minutes. Holy shit. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got you. No, it's a I lot. Think that's, that's I a think lot. that's more than I can I feel. I think you could do like 11 or 12 of these. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You right. could give the guy a run for his money. What, if you, just, what if you just uh, take the Kobayashi approach, just soak <laughs> just, him in barley wine yeah. on the way down? <laughs> There you go. I would feel bad for the EQ bathroom if I did that. <laughs> Tin Barn, Citrus Friends, Lemon Lime Flavored Hard Seltzer. And I'm Not a Bad Dog, Take It Back. This is a double IPA hopped with a combination of Citrus, Simcoe, and Waiiti. They also did Hop Vision 2, a New England double IPA with Citrus, Simcoe, Motueka, and Waiiti. Uh, let's talk Root and Branch. Uh, they've been doing this historical society uh, series and that's a lot of kind of classic beer styles that you're not seeing so much and this is a beer style that you are seeing only this month in places but normally not that much they did a marzen beer uh it's a naturally carbonated german style marzen they brewed it with german herzbrucker hops dead men on holiday multi oat multi oat wheat double ipa brewed with and dry hopped with citra comet and simcoe hops and do we live in a society of spectacle? 
with Citra. Multi-oat wheat double IPA brewed and dry hopped entirely with our hand-selected Citra hops. All right, Troon. They uh, just released this one. It's called Always Smoking Gas. It's an 8.2% hoppy ale. And before that, they did Call You Right Back, an 8.4% hoppy ale. Our buddy's Twin Elephant. Foggiest Notion, 7.4% American IPA with Lemon Drops, Citra, and Mosaic. And Nosh, 7.2% American IPA with Citra and Hallertau Blanc. I will say that that Nosh, I tried it. It's fantastic. I don't think I've seen a beer that had that combination of uh, of Citra with Hallertau Blanc, but it, it works beautifully. This is probably one of my favorite Nosh variants of the hot pairings that uh, that I've seen yet. They're just killing it consistently. Are you get did they make a shirt for this one? I think they're doing shirts for like every I don't think single they did. I hope they did just <laughs> so I can add more brewing shirts to uh Merpik Tar. Thanks man. This barley wine's crazy by the way. Like I definitely it get a little really bit of that is. line on the back end. You get like kind yeah, of some of that. Yeah, uh, it's you know when when Tom's had adjuncted barley wine, I was like, "Eh, I don't know about this, but it really goes well because it almost t- it's so subtle. I think uh, a lot of the adjuncts are very subtle in it. But speaking nice. of barley wines, and what a uh, what a nice segue, uh, Alternate Ending uh, released a barley wine called The Day After Yesterday, a 14% barrel-aged barley wine. No adjuncts on that one, though. And uh, Kobayashi. Yes, but different Kobayashi, but yes. BA Imperial <laughs> Stout with coffee, 10.5%. They also did Sweet Joni, a sourdough saison, 6.7%. And Melissa, mixed culture with peaches and toasted cardamom. That's 6.9%. And Royal Brett, barrel-aged Brett Pilsner, 5.6%. Evil Twin, buzzing, double dry-hopped IPA with Citra, Cashmere, Sabro, and brewed with organic wildflower honey. That sounds delicious. It does sound really good. Uh, They also did uh, one of the classic Evil Twin NYC type of names. The name of the beer is the weather just went from 90 to 55 like it just saw a state trooper. That's pretty funny. It's an IPA double dry hop with Citra and Galaxy. Icarus, making whoopee, double stuffed dessert stout conditioned on rich cocoa. This version was conditioned on double the amount of Madagascar vanilla beans and double the amount of marshmallows. Uh, Magnify released a bunch of beers on Nerd Squad. 5% smoothie sour brewed with over 50 pounds of nerds. Uh, Strawberry puree and vanilla ice cream. Uh, It contains lactose, which is a shocker. It might explode when you're (laughs) Let's keep it cold. It's 10pm. Do you know where your IPAs are? 8% 8% double dry hopped Imperial IPA hopped with Citra Mosaic and Matueka. Uh, they also did October Surprise, a 5% Marzen, and Half Baked, an 11% Imperial style conditioned on edible cookie dough and brownies. Oak Flower, Ring 5 is a 5.5% Hazy Pale Ale hopped with Citra Galaxy and Trident, and Oaktoberfest. 5.6% Marzen style lager available in six packs. I know. Love the six packs, man. I love it. I and hope the trend continues, honestly. Like, I told I told Colin and the Rons, I told Colin and the Rons this directly. I was like, dude, keep doing this. Like, I wish, you know, 37 years old, man. I don't want a 16 ounce can sometimes. I yeah. I will go for the six, six, six pack, 12 ounce format all the day. I always, I don't always, but it's been a while, but, um, Evil Twin. Oh yeah, those they, those four. They, they, they don't do it as much. Any, ounces, yeah. They don't do it as much anymore. It was a six or eight ounce cans, 
um, when they were doing the Great Northern series, like almost every that was, week. Oh, the, the best, big beers, right? Those big barley wines in like a little six, eight ounce can. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, but I think it, it's six ounce can. Six those ounce are can. Amazing. Perfect. That's perfect for yeah. for that sort of for that sort of beer. Because you know, you sometimes I want to drink a barley wine, but I don't want to drink sixteen ounces, seventeen percent <laughs> beer. On yeah, a Wednesday, <laughs> right? Eight ounce. <laughs> Perfect six ounces, whatever. and you can Perfect. do it, and you can do it four times a week because they right. come in four packs. <laughs> right. uh, let's talk Brick City. Uh, we mentioned them a little earlier in the episode. Uh, they have an upcoming collab with Autodidact, but uh, one of the new beers that they did, Magic Gardens, named it for Philadelphia's popular Mosaic Gallery Labyrinth, located on South Street. It's a six point five percent New England style IPA with double. It's double dry hopped with a heavy dose of mosaic and mosaic cryo. Orbituary, 8% New England style double IPA, double dry hopped with a healthy dose of citric galaxy and zytos. Yes. Uh, Going up, let's go up to Hudson Valley and talk about Hudson Valley Brewing. Uh, They did multi-chorus. Now, multi-chorus, for those who were in that kind of like when Hudson Valley was at its hottest. This was the best beer from Hudson Valley ever, in my opinion. Really? And a lot of people have their own likes and dislikes. This one was my favorite. Um, the classic multi-chorus, sour IPA, you know, wheat and oat, milk sugar. This one was white chocolate, vanilla, and chai hopped with Citra and Nelson. But they also made a stout version. That's right. Multi-chorus barrel-aged imperial stout with vanilla and chai spices aged in Hill Rock and Weller bourbon barrels for 24 months. Uh, We talked about Marlowe in the beginning of the episode. Uh, They do have a new beer out, so it's called Ghost Signatures Citra. It's a 6.7% ABV. It's part of their rotating hop series of this IPA, all of them by the name of Ghost Signatures. This one features Citra. Noble Savage, Psychedelic Dinosaur, I like that name, India Pale Ale, 7.5%, dry hopped with Peacherine and Rewaka. This one reached number two on top of your drops. I know, that's big, that's big. Uh, and let's talk about Bird's Mouth. Uh, so, although most brewery Oktoberfest celebrations are over, Bird's Mouth is kind of doing a cool twofer, right? They're celebrating their first anniversary and they're doing it kind of with Oktoberfest. Uh, together on October 14th is going to be food, music, competitions. It'll be fun. That's great. Yeah. You going to that? Uh, no. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Strike it out. <laughs> I can't. No. I, you know, listen, I would love to go to that. First of all, that's also the same day. If somebody wants, if you're looking for something to do and you have nothing to do on the 14th of October, you have two really cool options. You can go to Bird's Mouth. And you can do their Oktoberfest. They make great lagers there. Or you can be a complete glutton, which I love being, and go up to Equilibrium and eat hot dogs and drink stouts. You Like, both ends of this beer spectrum, do whatever you like. I can't do either, unfortunately, this year, but two you know, great options. three or four years ago, you would have done both. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. You would have brought hot dogs to Bird's Mouth. <laughs> I would have birds, birds mount some hot dogs oh, into gosh. people's <laughs> feed them to people like a baby bird. Yeah, baby bird, baby bird, some hot dogs and stout into people's mouths. All right, and that's a perfect time to take a break. We'll be right back with national releases. Try to be best, 
Everybody, welcome back to season three, episode twenty-four of America, the Brutiful. I have Chase with me, but before I get to him, and before I get to all the top beers in the country, uh, we uh, did a lot of the recording of this episode yesterday, and of course, this morning, uh, alternate ending. Uh, put out uh, an alert on one of their new beers, and it's a special beer, so I did want to talk about that before we got into uh, the top beers uh, of last week, Uh, and that beer uh, is called Joel's Wings. It's an imperial stout, uh, 10.5%, aged in whiskey barrels for 14 months. It's conditioned on wild Thai banana, dry banana, Tahitian vanilla, and Brazilian Ambarana wood, and why is this important? It's called Joel's Wings. It's part of uh, the Melissa's Wings series. Um, so, you know, anytime uh, a brewery does one of the beers in this series, I want to highlight it. And I especially want to highlight it uh, because of Alternate Ending, who hosted the Melissa's Wings event last year and also released the beer uh, that Jose did with Craig Melvin this year. Uh, I believe that beer raised about $5,000 and they are donating $1,000 of Joel's Wings uh, to the cause. So uh, bravo to them. And uh, I've actually had that beer already. It's excellent. So if you're out there, uh, check it out. But with Without further ado, uh, Chase, how are you, man? Uh, I want to hear about all these beers because there's so many this week. Man, yeah, this week is an awesome week. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about uh, beer from this week, and hopefully next week's list is just as uh, just as highly rated. This is a crazy, crazy list this week. All right, so let's talk about number one, uh, the number one beer for the week ending in the 29th of September is a brewery that is often at the top of these lists. Uh, so tell, <laughs> yeah, so tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So number one this week is a 10-year barley wine by Side Project. Uh, man, 155 ratings at the time that we published the list, uh, and it was sitting at uh, 4.8. Uh, so just just killer. That's a it's monster, monster. Something. Huge beer, huge beer. That, that could be in contention for beer of the year, if you ask me. So... I know they released a lot of other beers. Uh, were those eligible for this past week, or are we going to see one of those in this week coming up? I think there's a good chance that you see at least one of those in the week coming up. So I, I think the, the release date schedule was Friday, last Friday through uh, this Monday. So anything that was released on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which I think was most of the beers um, were we're gonna make or they should be eligible. Excuse me for for this week. Great. So I yeah, would I, mean, I would be surprised if you see one. I would be very surprised if we didn't, because <laughs> uh, all of those are monster beers that Side Project released for their anniversary. Um, all right, let's talk the number two drop. This one is super cool. Long Island Zone. They're back on the list at number two this week. Yeah, number two. Uh, a little. I don't even know if I want to say a collab because I feel like Noble Savage and Hudson Valley Malt are 
uh, they're more like brothers than they are collaborators. I feel like <laughs> Hudson Valley Malt is what they use all the time. But Psychedelic Dinosaur, it's a New England IPA, clocking in at a 4.71 as of uh, Sunday. I, I can give you some recent ratings, too, to make sure that these are still uh, still just as high. Um, but, yeah, looks like an awesome New England IPA. Do you, do you try much Noble Savage? Uh, I've had I've had a bunch and it's all been super super good, but that is uh, quite the ride from where I am. So I don't get to try yeah, I don't sure, get to sure, try sure. them all. Um, sure. I want to talk about number three because on the on these lists we see a lot of stouts, barrel aged stouts. We see a lot of uh, barrel aged barley wines. We see some big IPAs. We see some fruited sours. One thing we don't see that much though is Saison's, and one of the best in the country, in my opinion, is at number three. Yeah, big time. I think this is their first time on the on the list. Nebulous out of Portland. Uh, fresh Hop Donut Saison. It's uh, clocking in at a 4.64 at the time of the list. It looks like it's uh, dropped down a little bit, still at a 4.56, but, man, this looks delightful. Um, I don't know if it's... I, I don't think that... Oh, it's Donut Peaches uh, from Mountain View Orchards. I was thinking, there's no way that they are adding donuts to uh, Saison. That's not going to go well. <laughs> it probably would not. Uh, but Nebulous, for anybody out there who has not tried them and likes Saisons, uh, definitely go out and get them. But that's going to that's gonna cost you on the uh, trade market. They do have some yeah, secondary value. Uh, number four, uh, Frequentum back on the list. I felt like we saw a lot of them uh, maybe earlier in this year. Uh, but they're on with a beer style we don't see that much. Very true, yeah. So, uh, Fest Beer, uh, Munich Fest Beer from Frequentum, uh, they were clocking it at a 4.59. Let's see if that's still maintained. I got a lot of heat. I don't know if you saw the comments on... I didn't. Uh, yeah, there, there's definitely some people that were not loving that a Fest Beer was, on, was number four on the list this week. But, yeah, and candidly, you know, it, it dropped down to a 4.39. So, it's... I, you know, such is life sometimes. So, but yeah, I, frequent them. I've had some of their clean beers, and I was really impressed. So I'm I'm not too upset that this made the list this last week. Yeah, and for anybody who hasn't visited the brewery, if you ever make a trip up to the Finger Lakes, I just did one recently. Uh, it's a great spot. It's a great spot to go to. Uh, number five is a brewery I think that you've had a lot of. Is that is that correct? Am I uh, correct in 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 that uh, assumption, or maybe not? I've only had a handful, um, but uh, and I, I've only had this style of, of theirs. So Transcend Beer is number five. Uh, love the name Game of Thorns. It's a pastry stout. Uh, excuse me, pastry sour rather. That's rating at a four point five seven, or was rating at a four point five seven at the time of the list. Let's see if it's still maintaining, but yeah, kind of a fun looking beer. Raspberry, boysenberry, marionberry, blackberry, dragon fruit, and white chocolate. Um, so, fun name too. <laughs> uh, let's talk about number uh, also tied for number five because this is a brewery. I again, every time uh, these lists come out, I am always uh, excited to see the names that are on here because there is always at least one that I'm unfamiliar with, uh, and this one, the one you're going to tell us about, is one that I am unfamiliar with. Yeah, uh, back channel. They're out of uh, Minnesota. Uh, they clocked in with a 4.57 rated Imperial Stout called Mound Rushmore. Um, fun name, and actually it looks like it's rating a little bit better. It's 
sitting at a 4.6 right now. So, wow. uh, yeah. Uh, and similar, I haven't had much of their stuff, but they're always really nice to me on, uh, on the gram and yeah, it seems, seems like a good, good crew over there. Now I want to talk about number seven, and, and I'll bring in number seven. Uh, it's Treehouse. Uh, the beer is Emperor Cobbler. Um, I, at the time that the list came out, as a four, five, six on Untapped. I'll tell you what, I dropped the ball on this one. I was at Treehouse uh, Charlton this past weekend. Uh, a buddy of mine had a bachelor party. We were at Treehouse. I picked up Emperor Julius. I didn't want to go too crazy with the with how much beer I was getting. Somebody got this beer and cracked it later that night, and I'm like, "Oh man, it's really, really good." And I'm oh, not always damn. I'm not always into you know the fruited IPAs, uh, but it was excellent. Was it okay? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that uh, I'll have to hit up one of my traders back in that. Uh, neck of the woods because yeah it sounded it sounded uh, too interesting to to pass up you know yes uh, and all right so let's talk uh, after that at number seven uh, tied with treehouse is another uh, brewery that is no stranger to the list yeah definitely uh, tied with number uh, seven uh, treehouse there you got North Park uh, they collabed with a uh, brewery from across the pond, Track Brewing, on a beer called A Better Place to Play. Uh, it's a triple New England IPA, uh, similar rated at 4.56. Uh, I mean, how can you go wrong with a triple from North Park? I feel like North Park feels like the new monkish in terms of if they release a triple, there's a good chance that it's making the list. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Track Brewing which I had never really heard of until fairly recently. They also did a collab with a New Jersey brewery, The Seed, uh, and they talked very highly about track. So um, I don't know how I can get a hold of any of their beers, (laughs) but uh, I guess this is one way is to uh, have a beer that is a collab with somebody here in the U.S. Uh, Number nine, uh, tell us about number nine. Yeah, number nine is, uh, again, no stranger to the list here. It's Root and Branch uh, with an IPA, Historical Society. It's a fresh, hot version of Historical Society. They're clocking at a 4.53. Um, I bet that's probably still a similar rating. Let's check it out. I would I would be shocked if not, just because uh, Root and Branch's stuff is, uh, you know, always rates very, very well. For sure. Yeah, still looking at a 4.46. Um, but, yeah. Can't go wrong with root and branch. I feel like they're they're pretty excellent. And then it looks like rounding out the list, also tied for ninth, uh, is a brewery that we talked about a little bit earlier in this podcast, actually, uh, and that is Pulpit Rock. Uh, tell us about the beer that that made it to the list there. Yes, it's an imperial pastry stout uh, called Puddle. Uh, looks like it's got peanuts, almonds, and vanilla cookie, or excuse me, vanilla sandwich cookies in there. So should be pretty fun. Yeah, they they make some of the best stouts in the country, in my opinion. Uh, I, I I would almost say underrated, uh, but I, you know I think stout lovers are very 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 aware <laughs> of pulpit rock stuff. Uh, but maybe they just don't have the brand recall that some other of the big stout uh, producers have. Um, let, For sure. Let's look ahead uh, to next week. We already talked about side project. If some of those anniversary beers are eligible, uh, you know. They're going to be on there. Uh, But what, uh, you know, I had told you beforehand that I was curious to see. I know Fidens had two big releases this week. One was a collab with Troon. One was a collab with Brujos. 
I will be absolutely shocked if uh, one of those does not show up on the list. Anything else Likewise. that is uh, on your radar uh, for this? Yeah, uh, yeah. tell I, me. <laughs> I, I, I would say uh, a couple to keep your eye on. Uh, this past weekend, uh, the Eighth State had a big release. There's a couple beers that I got um, uh, that I'm tracking for. Uh, this week's release, and then also Dragon Saddle Day up at Hoof Hearted. Um, that all came out this past Saturday, so I have a feeling that uh, you're going to see some of those, um, e- either one of those, as, as well as the side project and Fidens. I feel like we could we could almost uh, speculate what a list is going to look like this uh, this coming this coming week based off of all those. I, you know, I've tried that before, Chase. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, so, so wrong. <laughs> you and me both. But, but I think there are it's, some safe bets. There are some safe bets. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Chase, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, America, drink up and stay beautiful. What if I said I was actually waiting to happen? Well, I tip and fall.